0: we can resist this. There are all kinds of ways to resist this, but we can't wait until it's in place before we start the resistance. The Biden administration
1: is trying to hold our incomes and livelihoods hostage until we submit to taking the shot. Is this new form of totalitarianism more or less dangerous than those we've seen in the past? Also, in Virginia, parents protested the ideology being taught to their children in public schools. What lessons can we learn from the example of these parents? You'll hear more about this and other things today on The Mark Harrington Show. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal and you can find out more about our ministry and support the radio program by going to markharringtonshow.com the bible says in 2thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11 for this reason god gave them over to a powerful delusion so that they would believe a lie and i guess the question before us is whether you believe that god is instrumenting these things or these are just happening in america Many things are happening where we're believing a lie. And so I wanted to bring back my guest, uh, Rod Dreher, who's the uh, editor, senior editor of The American Conservative, and he's also the author of The Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies. We interviewed Rod earlier this year about his book, and I wanted to bring him back on the air for a little bit of an update. Rod, thanks for being on the show. Mark,
0: it's great to be back. Lots of been, has been happening since we last talked.
1: I know that. And, I, you know, your book, I can tell you this, has changed my life. Uh, it's changed a lot of people around me, the network that we and my family uh, are in. I keep a stack of your books <laughs> to give away for people to read because I think it's one of the best books written on how to prepare ourselves for the times in which we live, and they are very troubled times. So I I do want to take a little bit of time today to talk about your book, uh, but also get an update because a lot of things have happened since you published that. What I found interesting, first of all, with the book is you wrote it, or at least it was released right at the beginning of the pandemic of COVID-19. Little did we know what that was going to look like over the last year and a half. A lot has happened, but a lot of the things you talk about the book seem to be taking place. And so what I want to do is just go back a little bit and kind of summarize the book a
0: little bit. First of all, where did you come up with the name Live Not By Lies, the title that is? Yeah, the title is something – it's the title of a communique that Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great uh, Christian dissident in the Soviet Union – a communique he sent out to his followers just before the Soviets exiled him from the country in 1974. And his message Mm -hmm. to them was, look, we can't overturn this totalitarian system. But the one thing we can do is refuse to live by the lies it makes us uh, swallow. Uh, He said that you can't go stand in the middle of Red Square and shout out what you really think, but at least you can refuse to say what you do not think. And uh, I I took that title because so many of these people who came to America from the Soviet bloc during the Cold War are now saying Mm -hmm. that the things they ran away from back then are coming true here in America. And they're trying to wake up the American people. And uh, I took Solzhenitsyn's title because I think that this is the beginning of our resistance to refuse to live by these lies that the woke uh, hierarchies Are demanding of us.
1: Well, I was really inspired by the book. As a cultural warrior myself, someone who's been involved in the culture wars for 20 years or more, it was very, I guess, freeing in a way to realize that, you know, it's not all up to me. In many respects, we've lost the culture war. It may not be over for good. As you say in the book, I mean, there's going to be a time again where we can make some advances in the political cultural debate. But right now, uh, things are looking a little grim, and it made me feel like, you know, it's not all up to me. There is no political solution, at least that we can see on the on the near horizon, if you will. Uh, and then it gave me some hope on what we can do to prepare our families and our communities for weathering the storm. And I'd like to get into that on the program. But first of all, let me ask you, you talk about something called soft totalitarianism, Uh as Americans, we understand what totalitarianism, at least we should anyway, when it comes to communist co- countries like Russia, at least they used to be. But what's the difference between, say, a soft totalitarianism, which you say is happening in the United States, and hard totalitarianism, which is what
0: we've understood from a you know kind of a government top-down type of a uh, situation? Yeah, Mark, this is a key question because a lot of people today understand totalitarianism from the Soviet example or from George Orwell's 1984. They look around and say, we don't have Big Brother. We don't have gulags. We don't have secret police. So how can you call this totalitarianism? Well, Mm -hmm. I tell them, you may not have read it in high school, but Aldous Huxley's novel, Brave New World, tells us of the kind of totalitarianism we're living in. It's a totalitarianism that does not try to enforce its uh, its ideology through pain and terror, but rather by cutting people off from jobs, cutting them off from participating in the economy, from participating in society, and so forth, if they don't sign right. on to the, the lie. And uh, for example, I, I think a good a good uh, instance of soft totalitarianism is what was happening in Virginia recently with the school boards, with them very quietly moving in critical race theory into the classroom, lying to parents about it, lying to everybody about it until they got caught. And frankly, I find that to be hopeful. We can maybe talk about that a little later, that parents right. finally woke up and saw what was happening and took power back that belongs to them. But these sort of lies are going everywhere. I was recently out in uh, California giving a a workshop on Live Not By Lies. I talked to a Christian who's an active duty military member. And he said, Rod, the armed forces today are not what they were even two years ago, that we're getting this wokeness shoved down our throats by the senior Mm -hmm. brass Uh, Who are trying their very best to enforce this ideology. It's causing massive demoralization and uh, hurting our effectiveness. So this is where the lies that the the woke are trying to force us to accept can put our country at great risk. And this is happening everywhere.
1: And I liked how you talked about woke capitalism in that the uh, you know the change is coming through not through the government per, per se but through large corporations who have bought into woke ideology. Would you explain uh, how that is happening? We see it with cancel culture, but mm-hmm. these large companies are basically
0: uh, taking on the culture war. Right. You know the uh, totalitarianism according to traditional uh, political theory comes from the all-powerful state. Well, we're not seeing that happen here, but it's still totalitarianism. What's happened Mm -hmm. is all of the institutions in our society, whether it's media, universities, sports, law, medicine, big business, even the military... Uh, have embraced wokeness, this diversity ideology, this uh, identity politics. And this has become the successor ideology to liberalism. So Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a situation like what happened to Ryan T. Anderson, the head of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He's a Catholic public intellectual who wrote a very good and sober book called When Harry Became Sally. And it's responding to the (laughs) transgender moment from a traditional point of view. Amazon decided very quietly earlier this year that it was no longer going to sell this book or any other book that criticizes transgenderism as a mental aberration. Now, Amazon has the right to do that, Mark. This is a free country. We live in a free market. But because Amazon controls so much of the retail book market in America, if Amazon decides to stop selling a certain kind of book, then those books simply won't get published. And so we can formally be living in a liberal democracy, but an entire area of inquiry uh, has been shut off to publishing because of this decision by Amazon. Now, you multiply that, uh, that ethic across any number of institutions, media, universities, whatever, and you begin to see what totalitarianism looks like within a liberal democracy.
1: Well, you know, Karl Marx talked about taking the culture by a slow march through its institutions, and that's what we've seen over the last 100 years in America. And Now it's culminating in all of this wokeness. Uh, you know, that's why I think, you know, this is going to be a long-term thing that we're going to be facing. It's not going to be overturned overnight. You talk about politics in the book a little bit. Uh, you weren't a big Trump supporter. I understand that. <laughs> But you uh, if we would, let's let's transition a bit to the Virginia election. Uh, if you would tell us what our lessons learned are, because I, I I feel like people don't really understand what the real lessons learned are. A lot of people will say, well, it's the GOP and they're going to take the uh, Senate and the House in 2022. And of course, I hope they do. But hmm. that's not the answer. <laughs> you, no, no. You, you talk about how politics You know, we should be involved, and it can be a way of slowing uh, and and at least slowing down bad things from happening. But as
0: far as cultural change, that's not how it's going to take place. Right, right. And look, I agree with you. I hope the GOP takes back Congress, and I hope it takes back the White House in 2024. Politics does play an important role here. But the problem so many of us conservatives make is thinking that politics is everything. Look, if Donald Trump had been a philosopher king, he could not have stopped a lot of this wokeness that has taken over our country precisely because it is passing through all these non-governmental institutions. I'll give you an example of how politics uh, is insufficient. I was in Hungary earlier this year. I spent three and a half months there in Budapest on a fellowship. I happen to agree with the Hungarian government. It's a strong conservative government led by a Christian, um, um, Viktor Orban, and he has banned uh, legally in that country LGBT propaganda directed towards minors. I think that's great. I don't know if we could do it in our country, but I think it's great. But here's the problem with that. I spoke to a mom in Hungary this summer who supports the government, but she said that her son, her 19 year old son, asked her mom, Did you ever kiss a girl? Well, she wanted to slap him, but he said, Hey, mom, calm down. All of us in my generation are experimenting with our gender, with our sexuality. Mm-hmm. The mom told me that this kid has been listening only to English language media and social media. And it's that which you can't stop by government edict that is turning him and his generation to gender fluidity. So the lesson Mm -hmm. for all of us here uh, who are trying to fight this, all of us conservatives and Christians, is that it is not enough to rely on politics. Politics can only be part of the solution. You have to get in there and get your hands dirty and pay attention to what your kids are listening to and taking in and give them the tools they need internally to resist it.
1: My guest is Rod Dreher, and he is the senior editor of The American Conservative and also the author of The Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies. I highly recommend those two books. And you can find out more, or pick up the book, by going to penguinrandomhouse.com. That's where the book is available. Of course, it's available on Amazon as well, but penguinrandomhouse.com, and you can find out more by looking uh, at the description in my social media posts about the radio program. Rod, if you would, uh, let's let's stay on uh, Virginia for a little bit. <clears throat> One of the things that uh, I, was co- I was very um, encouraged by was the reaction – of parents to critical race theory and being taught in the schools there, and how apparently they came out to defeat the incumbent governor there, uh we can look at that and say, well that a lot of folks unfortunately would look at that and say, "Well, this is the red wave, this is the beginning of a yeah. you know conservative wave in Congress, and this is because many people thought this would be a repudiation of the Donald Trump era." Uh, I don't think it's any of that, frankly. I I just think
0: it it was parents doing what they should do to take care of their own communities. I think so. And that's what it's going to have to take uh, in order for this to be turned back as people getting involved at the local level. Um, I I remember, Mark, back in 2015, not too long after the Obergefell ruling that legalized same-sex marriage, I was invited to Capitol Hill to give a talk to a, a, a private group of conservative Christian Republicans uh, staff members of Congress. And after the talk, uh, I was invited to a private luncheon with them, and I asked them what the Republicans were planning to do to protect religious liberty in the wake of a mm-hmm. fell. Silence right. all around. I repeated mm. the question. They didn't have a plan, Mark, because the Republican Party, at least back then, is so sold out to big business that they were happy to throw religious conservatives like us under the the bus rather than Mm -hmm. be called bigots. Well, Mm -hmm. I hope things have changed, but if things are changing in the Republican Party, it's only going to be because of grassroots uh, uh, force compelling them to do that. So uh, I think that we should push for the Republican Party to get more serious about fighting wokeness and defending religious liberty and free speech and other liberties, but we can't rely on them alone look at the parents who came together out there in Virginia. There were a lot of liberals there too who didn't want this garbage taught to their kids. One right. of the things I've discovered since Live Not By Lies came out is that we conservatives do have allies on the left. People like Barry Weiss, people like Brent Weinstein and Heather Hying, You know, all of none of whom are conservatives, uh, all of whom I believe are atheists, but they are against wokeness. And one of the things I learned from talking to the people, the dissidents in Eastern Europe is that it is so difficult to find people who are courageous enough to stand up to totalitarianism that when you find someone, even if you don't share their religious or political convictions, that person needs to be your ally. So uh, Virginia, I think, too, shows the power of making allies among common sense liberals.
1: As I mentioned earlier in the program, your book was released right at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Little did we know it would take place in the, in the last year and a half. I would like you to at least uh, try to give us some insights on how this all might fit in to what you call soft totalitarianism. Right now, sure. we're seeing the mandates being handed down. Thank God that the, the federal courts has at least put for now a temporary stay on the uh, enforcement of the Biden uh, COVID mandates. But who who would have thought that, that all of this would have happened in the last year and a half? How do you think this plays into the the theme of your book?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I finished the manuscript in March of 2020, just as COVID was breaking out. And of course, we had the George Floyd uh, riots, too, right. after that. So by the time the book came out in the fall, people were, the country had changed and people were ready for it. Look, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've been vaxxed myself. But I have to say that watching how this has played out, watching how the government has beclowned itself with constantly changing its story about the vaccine, uh, watching how we have slowly seen soft totalitarianism emerge in terms of employer mandates. And let Mm -hmm. me say, let me give a, a shout out to a neighbor of mine here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Judge Kyle Duncan, he's on the Fifth Circuit, and he was one of the ones. He's a strong Christian. He's one of the ones who uh, who put a halt to the to the ma- mandate, employer mandate, um, because mm-hmm. I, I haven't talked to him, but I think he must see that this is soft totalitarianism. Uh, yeah. We're seeing now in Austria, as you and I are talking here, in Austria, all unvaccinated people are forbidden to leave their house. I mean, it's that Clear how bad this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen uh, employers uh, like at Oak Ridge National Laboratories in Tennessee. There was a group there who had strong religious objections to taking the vaccine. The uh, according to the documentation, the lab just did this perfunctory, like, yeah, yeah, right. You have a religious liberty uh, objection. I think what we're seeing now, even though I believe vaccines can be important and are an important part of fighting back against COVID, we're seeing a lot of overstep here and we're seeing, I believe, the rudiments of a social credit system put into place. That makes people
1: Right. I'm really interested in, because you you, yeah. you mentioned that in an email to me, and I'm really interested in what you mean by that. Sure.
0: Well, in China, uh, the government is able to control everybody through what they call a social credit system. Very briefly, right. the government monitors everything everybody does through their smartphones, mm-hmm. through their internet, and so on and so forth. And it knows where you've been, who you've talked to, et cetera. If you talk to positive people and are engaged in positive things, according to the government, then you get a higher social credit rating. You get more privileges. You can shop in the better stores, travel more, et cetera. But if you talk to bad people or do things like go to church, you get a lower rating and gradually your circles are constricted where you can't even at at the worst level, you can no longer buy or sell. Now, Christians should recognize that not being able to buy or sell, If you don't participate. Well, uh, I think this is coming to America. It's not going to come the same way it is come in China being enforced by the government. But I think corporations are going to have a role mm-hmm. to play in this, too, by uh, you know, if they get away with this, with the vaccine mandate, what's next? If you don't, exactly. uh, if you're a dissenter from you know, from wokeness, if you're considered a racist or some other kind of bigot. Or climate a, change
1: or anything like that. Right, right, you know? right.
0: You can't get a, a bank a bank account. That's happened in England with some far-right people. If it happens to the far-right far right people, well, what happens when they move the line about what, what constitutes far-right or domestic right. terrorists? This is here now, and it's coming, and people have to wake up. They have to understand, Mark, that we can resist this. There are all kinds of ways to resist this, but we can't wait until it's in place before we start the resistance.
1: Right, and I want to talk about that as we finish off the program. Again, my guest today is Rod Dreher and he's the author of two books, The Bene- Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies. Folks, you can pick up this book by going to penguinrandomhouse.com or just go to the show description on my website at com. I exhort you to pick up these books. These are the uh the marching orders, if you will, in the culture war for as we proceed. Uh, let's finish off, Rod, with the last couple of minutes that we have here. I don't want to leave people without hope. You in your book, you kind of spell out all the bad news, but you give the good news, and I appreciate that. And that is what Christian communities and individual Christians can do to resist these measures that are be taken by uh, these uh, woke companies
0: and governments. So yeah. if you would, let's finish off with that. Well, the good news is that lies can't last forever. All of the right. people I talked to in Eastern Europe who are part of the Christian resistance, none of them thought they would live to see the end of communism, but they did. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, only God knows what the future is is going to bring. But uh, the good thing, the lesson that we need to take from this is that these people resisted because it was the right thing to do, not because they expected Mm -hmm. in their lifetime to see victory, but because it was the right thing to do and because they wanted to lay the groundwork for their children maybe to see the, uh, the end of communism. In the same way for us. We may not see victory in our lifetime, the lifetime of you and me, but we need to build these networks now that enable us to resist, to keep the faith alive, to help families and individuals who are persecuted by this new world order to maintain the faith and not starve or be sent away into exile. We can do this. I dedicate the book to this great Catholic priest who came to Slovakia to escape the Nazis in 1943. He told his people there, he said, the good news is the Germans are going to lose the war. The bad news is the Soviets are going to rule this country when it's over and they're going to come after the church. we got to get ready. He built a network of resistance of ordinary Christians who came together to pray and to ask themselves, what can we do to protect the church during the coming persecution? Bishops laughed at him and said, you're scaring people. But in the end, this priest was right. And the reason there was an underground church there for the next 40 years was because of what he did and because of the preparation that faithful Christians made in advance. I, name, I dedicated the book to this man's memory because we need to do the same thing in our country today.
1: My guest has been Rod Dreher, and he is a senior editor of the American Conservative. He's also written two books, folks, and I want you to pick those up. Uh, the first book is The Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies. To me, it's a handbook for how to navigate these troubled waters that we live in in America. And also, I think the, the hopeful part of this is that we can build networks, that is church networks, neighborhood networks, communities where we are all thinking the same way and we're not going to live by lies. And we're willing to resist this soft totalitarianism that is now present in America.
0: Rod, thanks for being on the show. Mark, it was great to be here. And look, if the church can come through Soviet totalitarianism intact, then there's no reason why we, given our much uh, greater freedom here in America, can't do the same thing. But we've got to get active.
1: So, friends, I want you to take action today. And the first thing you can do is pick up Rod Dreher's book, Live Not by Lies. And like I say, you can find out more about that by going to the show description On MarkHarringtonShow.com, I keep a stack of these books and I give them away to people that are in the culture war, but looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for things they can do, concrete things they can do in their local communities, in their church and with their friends and their networks. This book is the manual on how to navigate these troubled times. Secondarily, I'd like you to go to markharringtonshow.com and subscribe to the podcast. There, we have a media player player that is built into the um, to the website that you can listen to the program there or pick it up anytime you want twenty four seven on all the popular podcasting platforms. As well, I want you to register for the Mark Harrington Show email updates. I uh, will give you show information, upcoming shows, and how to continue to receive your marching orders in the culture war. Finally, on the uh, if you would go to the Mark Harrington Show website at MarkHarringtonshow.com. click on the submit a comment or question, and you can send me a, uh, a message and and I will read it on the air, answer your question, or, or suggest the comment to our listeners. Again, go to Mark Harrington Show. Dot com to send me a message, and I'll read it on the air as part of the mailbag section of the radio program. You've been listening to your radio activists here on The Mark Harrington Show, where you get your marching orders for the culture war. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God.